Greetings, students, and welcome to another fun-filled day here at Horror in the Halls. <laughs> What's up, kids? Welcome to Horror in the Halls. I'm Jenny, a.k.a. Mrs. Hill. And I'm Bob, a.k.a. Mr. Holland. And today is our Jenny Dreadfuls edition episode where we'll be reviewing mm. My Soul to Keep by Tanana Reeve Du and discussing what it means to partake in the living blood, living forever. So, Bob, what did you think? <sighs> Man, I wanted to really like this book because of their approach the whole living blood aspect i thought was like fresh and new and it was a really cool take on the not vampire but like just kind of immortal um living forever kind of situation mm-hmm. but man some of these characters made me really not like it yeah they're they're not very likable at times so well, no, and they're not, but it speaks to the author's ability to write. I mean, they're they're good characters. It's well-written. It's a great story. Mm-hmm. You feel for the characters you're supposed to feel for. You dislike the characters I think you were probably supposed to dislike. So from a technical standpoint, it's great. But yeah, I, I hate oh, yeah, it. Yeah, it was well-written. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> I hated a lot of these people. I'm like, why are you stupid? Why'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, I was... I was uh... There was a lot of commentary out loud as I read along, so yeah, oh, dude, I get yeah. it. I felt like I was talking back to the dude reading the audiobook. What the f? <laughs> oh, stupid! I I didn't listen to the audiobook, but I did read it, and there's times I was really pissed. But anyway, um, so I pulled a lot of information from her actual website, which is just her name, Tananarivedu at dot com. Um, but she's an award winning author. Um, she teaches black horror and Afrofuturism at UCLA which is really cool. I really wish I could take those courses. Actually, you can take them online. So I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, But she was an executive producer on Shudder's groundbreaking documentary, Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror, which I was... I tried to get to this week, but unfortunately, my schedule did not allow me to do that because I was asleep by like eight, nine this week. So It's pretty Um, good. I watched like the... I started it, but didn't get a chance to finish it. Oh, I know. And there's like Tony Todd's in it and everything. So I was like, dang it. I wanted to watch it so bad, but it's okay. Um, as she and her husband are, um, a collaborator, um, on, or his name's, um, Stephen Barnes, uh, wrote a small town for season two of Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone. She works with, she works with Jordan Peele quite a bit, actually, um, because I found out that she was a contributor to the screenplay of Get Out. And I think there's an interview with them, too. Hmm. And it, I don't know where where that is. I need to look for that, too. But um, if you look on her website, there's actually a picture of them talking about the Get Out script, which I thought was really cool. Um, but anyways, she co-hosts a um, podcast called Life Writing, Write for Your Life. Um, I think that's also with her husband. Um, and they also co-wrote an upcoming horror graphic novel called The Keeper, and it's illustrated by Marco Finnegan. Well, that sounds really cool. I might be checking that out. Um, she's a leading black voice um, in fiction. Um, she's won an American Book Award, an NAACP Image Award, and a British Fantasy Award. Okay. And and a lot of her writing has included anthologies. Um, her books include Ghost Summer, 
stories, My Soul to Keep, The Good House, which I'm excited to read. Um, And she it says that she and her late mother, civil rights activist Patricia Stevens Dew, co-authored Freedom in the Family, a mother-daughter memoir of the fight for civil rights, which I thought was really cool. And they live with their son. Uh, her and her husband live with their son, Jason. Um, Let's see. She does teach online courses, um, Life Writing Premium, um, Afrofuturism, The Soulmate Process, and The Sunken Place Black Horror, which is pretty interesting. Um, I would like to do the... Uh, I would like cool. to take any of them for real. They all sound really cool. Um, so the book actually is, I looked at all the different, you know, stars that they've accumulated, like the rec- recommendations and reviews. Um, but on, on Goodreads, they had a 4.15 out of five stars. Um, Barnes and Noble was 4.5 out of five stars. And then on Amazon, the audiobook, since you read the audiobook. Yeah. um, I wanted to pick that one out, but it's a 4.6 out of five stars. So she just, it's pretty good. It's pretty accurate, honestly, for what the book is. Um, and before we really get into like all the characters and the themes and stuff, um, I want to give a heads up that this book is the first in a four part series, which I was not aware of when I picked it up. Thankfully, I picked the right one. <laughs> um, I have not read the others. Um, according to Stephen King, it's an eerie epic, bears favorable comparisons to Interview with a Vampire, which I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and he said yeah. he loved this novel. Yeah, um, uh, this book follows two characters mainly, but at times will change point of view to a minor character, all of which is in, in, intentional in the storytelling. Um, Jessica is an investigative journalist and DeWitt or David is an Im- immortal that is currently married to Jessica. And it follows their story through like knowledge, pain, betrayal, and running themes of the human condition. So there's a lot to take in on this one. <laughs> Dawit is um he's one of the characters that I wanted to like a lot and just could not um but yeah, before I get into like that him. I just wanted to say the audiobook is actually really good it's read or narrated by Peter Francis James and he's like an actor he has a really good voice though it's got one of those like um Morgan Freeman kind of like oh, just yeah. deep commanding voices and he does a good job with the pronunciations and the uh some of the dialect changes and how things shift at the times because in this book it it takes place over like 500 years right so it jumps around a lot so when he got he can go from like pre-colonial muslim africa to the american south during the you know antebellum south of slavery and he's hitting these accents male female voices it sounds really good he's one of those readers that kind of changes his tone he changes his inflection and um it's really, i thought he was really really well i wouldn't mind reading more stuff that he's actually um narrated for audible i might look for him particularly he was like he did a good job yeah because there was a lot of back and forth um so if that is a hard task for you that this book will be hard to read um thankfully um it was easy to catch on for me because you like I've said before, when we did the us episode, there were times where the time skips confused me. But after a while, I got the hang of it. It was the same thing with this novel. Like, mm. I'm not really good at the time skipping usually, but she made it a lot simpler. And then there were times where she would actually put the date and like where it was. And that helped a lot Um, as the like the the titles change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like that helped a lot. Um, I like how she had them in parts. Like, we knew what was coming, like, what the section was going to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I thought that was a cool... Um, I like I like when any author puts, like, parts inside a book and, like, puts them in little sections. I, think, I like that. So, um, 
So a list of characters to start us off is a Dewey or David. Um, I'm going to refer to him as David because that's really who Jessica knows him as throughout the yeah. book until like the end. Um, and then there's Jessica. Kira's the daughter. B is, is Jessica's mother. Alexis is Jessica's sister. Peter Donovich is actually um, Jessica's best friend at her job. Also an investigative journalist. Um, Sa is their, um, I guess their editor in chief. Is yeah. what I kind of gathered. Uh, Mahmoud. I hope I'm saying that one right. It is, it's um, okay. Uh, he is actually Dewey's almost like his best friend and brother. Not by blood, but like just yeah. they they went through a lot together. Um, and he comes up, you know, through memories throughout the book, but he also pops up at the end. And then Khaldun, which is the person who kind of leads the Brotherhood. Um, for those who partook in the living blood and we'll get to that. And then I had to add in princess and tea cake because they were actual crucial they parts were. of the story. Uh, the dog is princess and she actually dies at the beginning, but her, she has a purpose. Yeah. She kind of sets off the whole story really. Yeah, she does. And then, um, and then there's tea cake, which is the cat and that cat is super important to the story as well. So, yeah. um, but yeah. Great do you, characters. Do you want to? Yeah, I mean, they're great characters. I will say, just for continuancy, is it's Dawit. It's not Dewey. It's just Dawit. Okay. It's well, like just a it's really fine. Yeah, I heard. I thought I watched an interview with her, and she said it differently, but I could be wrong. So, yeah. well, I mean, I'm just going by what it was read in the audiobook, so maybe he was saying it wrong, but that would be weird. I don't I know. Pretty on it, that, it's like Dawit, Ma- Mahmood, and then Khaldun, which I was like, okay, okay, these characters are cool. Like, I kind of agree with you. The time jump, especially in the first couple chapters, because when you're not reading it, you don't see the the ti- the tops of you know the title names and stuff and it just jumped mm-hmm. while he was reading and i was like what oh okay and then you kind of had to after a while you caught on and you understood but it was very like at first it took a minute to kind of get that um i did like seeing the past um reflected the way she did i really enjoyed i will say this about the book i really enjoy the way they became immortal i think it's um it's fresh i've never seen that done before no, to that either. way um, and maybe it's in other books I've just never read, but nothing I've read or, or watched in a film or heard reference to took this approach, which I thought was really interesting um, by comparison to other stuff. Like I said, this book, of course, it's the first of four and maybe the characters get better. I know the second one has won some awards and stuff. This one it gets a lot of praise, though, just because like she said in the interview, you know, it kind of was her first full book she wrote to get like published it sat on the shelves for a while though because you know it was hard to kind of find a spot for it but you had like her Stephen first King. book got rejected yeah. so like this was her her second her first published book her yeah her second yeah. book but her first published book yes but um yeah so she's talking about she said in an interview it was wild because it just kind of took off you know she had like stephen king giving blurbs and then it was like you know and all these other authors and she said their names but the only one that stood out to me was stephen king because you know stephen king well he that's good though because the fact that he could give her a, a step up is is awesome because i mean she's a very big figure in black horror writing like she's yeah. and she's really 
she's really good. So, I mean, I don't, I can't say that I loved this book because there was parts of it that really frustrated me, but I think it was very well written. It's like, it's not my usual pick, Yeah, but I no, like, I, agree. I, I, agree. I think it was a very well written book and the characters were like spot on. Like I felt like I was experiencing everything that the characters were experiencing, which is yeah. why I cried at the end. <laughs> Dang it. So everything anyway. that I think we, that we could experience, you know, some of those um, mm-hmm. challenges and emotions, I don't think like a white person can fully grasp, like especially some of like the well, no. the um the themes. But I do think the general themes, you know, of just love, death, loss, you know, and what comes after, all those things are things we all deal with. And she did a really good job of of using her own culture and using like the past that goes along with being African American, you know in america but uh and how that played out you know so i thought that was really well and like i said like that flashback to the where the living blood comes from i thought was super interesting but then it also made me dislike david's character even more because then i was like how are you so smart yet so ignorant at the same time and it was really aggravating to me yeah you know there was um, a lot about david i did not like so and i've already told you some you- of that so did you want to just get into what the living blood is and talk about it? Or did you want to talk about some stuff first before we went that, that way? No, that's fine. Um, So I want to start off by talking about what the book started off like before okay. I go into the living blood, because I think it's important to, to note like all the mistakes he makes throughout the whole thing, even though he's like this very knowledgeable person. Um, he makes terrible decisions, uh, yeah, but um, it starts off with like, this, I guess it was like, I don't know, if, it wasn't like a nursing home. It was more like a, um, or maybe it was. Yeah, it's like I a thought it was more home. like a hospital, but it, it was like a, a live, um, assisted living. And yeah, it was like a senior was, living facility. Yeah. So at the the very beginning, it show it talks about this this little old lady who is pretty much on her deathbed, and this uh, man walks in, and she recognizes him. And they have this conversation. She she was like, I knew you would come for me. And like, it was like her looking at him or her, him looking at her thinking about like how she used to look when she was younger and like how much, how withered away she was and like how he was disgusted by the way she looked because it was like she was, it was a waste of life or whatever. And then he's getting ready to leave and she says goodbye, daddy. And I'm like, what? And then he, it's, it. It doesn't explicitly tell you, but at the time, but like he's picking up a pillow so that he could smother her. And then it comes up later, yeah. which comes full circle because his wife, Jessica, is an investigative journalist for the paper, the local paper. So um, and she's researching like, you know, nursing homes and assisted living homes that where the people are being like abused and neglected. So like that one was a big story that popped up and Anyway, so like that, that was like the first of many mistakes that he makes. So, um, but like I said, it jumps around a lot at the beginning. So like you're, you're going back and forth between like not only his mistakes, but like just his past in general, just so you get a backstory on him. And I don't know if it was to make you feel more empathy for him or, or what, like what the intention was behind that. Cause at times I did feel very sorry for him because I'm like, he's experiencing all these things and it, they're horrible things. But at the same time, he is not a nice person. <laughs> so. Well, no, like, and you know, he talks about like that intro, you know, and that was what 
kind of, I kind of was hooked at first because you really get, um, not necessarily interview with the vampire, but vampire vibes, right? Like a Dracula mm-hmm. kind of vibe. Cause you're like, hold up. And it's because they kind of describe in a way that he's not an elderly man. He's young. And, but you have this frail, you know, dying woman who's like, Oh, Hey daddy, I knew you'd come. Duh, duh, duh. And he goes in about his other son and you know, all these things, but he's taking it from, like you said, like almost a disgusted standpoint and not a place of caring. No, you like the I mean? whole time he's like thinking about it. He's thinking about what she used to look like yeah, and how like he thought he was just doing her a service by putting her out of her misery. And I'm like, what? Yeah, no, he's kind of a terrible person. He is a terrible, there's no kind of, he is yeah. a terrible person. <laughs> you know, interesting, um, in the interview, she said that she was actually a reporter for the Miami Herald in her mm-hmm. 20s when she wrote this book. So yeah. I think Jessica is kind of based on her. And she said some stuff like she was having issues with dating and men lying with her. And then like that led her to like, how well do you really know someone? And then she came to the realization that it really wasn't them lying to her, that she was lying to herself about who they were. So I think yeah. Jessica's character came from her own growth and realizations of who she was and about her own life, which I think is kind of cool, which kind of lend to that character. Yeah, because she mentions... I watched an interview too, and it's probably it was probably almost the same one, or like maybe a part of one. But like she was saying that she tried to put herself in the shoes of somebody who f- actually found Mister Perfect, what he looked like, but then realizing that you've been living a lie this whole time, yeah, and what that would feel like, and which sucks because you know he seems perfect on the outside. That's why. Peter, her her best friend at, at work, would always call him Mr. Perfect. And that was kind of their inside joke. Um, but which really makes me sad about Peter. Like at first I was like, gosh, why is Peter so like like the way he is? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it just turned out that he was just he was just her friend, you know? Um, but to to jump forward a little bit, you were talking about the living blood and how how that worked out. So like Caldoon was this I don't even know what they called him. It wasn't like a prophet. It was something else, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Or something more related to, I think, Islam. But I can't remember the name either. So uh, he had a following and he was like, he brought he brought all these people and not, I don't want to say people. He brought all these men to, which made sense for, for what it is. Because women were, it, I, I don't want to offend anyone, but like women are not, you know, Holmes Totem Pole. So who are you going to offend? It's a historical accuracy. Also, they're still not high on the totem pole in a lot of well, I know, but Muslim like religions. I don't know. I just don't want to offend anybody <laughs> with the religious aspect because I mean it's true. But like you know, so he invites all these men and he's like telling them like, okay, so I ha- pretty much he has the blood of Christ running through his veins because they took from Jesus on the cross his blood as it was draining from him and. They partook in that, and so they call it the living blood because it was Christ's blood that was running through. And he kills himself, basically, in front of everyone. But, like, before he does that, he's like, just know if you sit and you wait, you will see a miracle. And so DeWitt and Mahmoud were really close at the time, and they sat and waited because they trusted him. And then in the morning he woke up yeah. and they were like, this is, this is a miracle. Like he's, they almost kind of worshiped him as a God almost. Um, and then he was like, I can give you this, but if I do, you know, there's, there's things that you have to understand about like what, you know, 
how you have to live your life after this. He goes, and we seek knowledge and we seek, you know, just to, you know, to, to live in almost like live in meditation. Um, almost like monks. Yeah. I would call them more like monks almost, you know? Um, so DeWitt and Mama decide, okay, well, we're going to do this. So like, I guess I think they poison, he poisons them is what he does. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and then he, he, he gives them this blood, but in, in doing so he has to he has to complete this ritual where he he says these lines but little does he know that dewitt actually hears him performing the ritual and knows the lines so like dewitt always lives with that knowledge whereas the others don't know what it is um which is going to affect the trajectory <laughs> of the book the fact that he remembered that so i i don't know i i, I just think it's funny because when when you got to the point where you're listening and you found out that like, so this blood cures people and they will not use it to help people. That's where you were like, I don't want to read this book anymore. I'm not because it's stupid. <laughs> well, like, I guess for my take on it, like, A, that's what I thought was so interesting. Like I've never mm-hmm. seen a book that's like, we took blood from Christ. So like in this, this story, like Kaldun is telling them how he got this blood that, there were people um, at the time of Christ's crucifixion who took like essentially a bladder, like a wine bladder, like old school, like sheep bladder for wine of his yeah. blood. And then after Christ was resurrected, the blood was warm again. Right. So mm-hmm. that's how they get their immortality. They he drank of that blood. He became immortal. And I think what's interesting is that this time period, like um, Mahmoud and Dawit were both like Muslims at the time, like like warriors right like he kind of has his past where he talked about their warriors and they're like ma dawit was married to mahmoud's sister but she passed so they have that connection so they are like brothers legitimately because in that kind of culture they once you marry into the family you're your family so he refers to him as his brother um in that early time but i thought was interesting is that they still don't like later on he becomes like an atheist but i'm like you are this old and you all live this long right from the blood of the christian god essentially yet none of you believe that of you know what i mean like you yeah. are literally the product of a supernatural ability from someone that is considered christ but you still don't believe that that person was who he said he was it's very odd to me like i thought that was kind of strange like it's one of those things like you hear in a lot of other stories about faith versus knowing right they talk about in um like constantine or like supernatural and all those other shows where it's like well you don't have faith because you know right Mm -hmm. which i'm not expecting dawit or anybody else to have faith but to still like being like nah i'm an atheist i don't believe bro you're like 500 years old because of the blood of christ that was just a stupid arc for his character i thought it didn't make any sense like why is this here you know what I mean? Like, it was, meh. to me, it was silly. Um, I'm not saying he should be like a devout Christian or nothing. But like whenever there was that whole section when early on, whenever they're going to church and he's like so against it and will only go when she forces him and stuff. I'm like, what? You should be like the most understanding because his blood is in your veins. Yeah. And he kind of puts it down occasionally, like not yeah. like out, not like super like disrespectful, but like. I don't know. He just puts it down to where, like, he's like, I'm not going to go, and you can go. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, um, But I'm well, not going to partake in that. And that was my thing. Like, so. I don't care. Like, the whole him being an atheist thing, or even if he was a Muslim, it wouldn't matter. But to act like it's not, like, a thing, like, it was just added in there for no reason, I thought. Like, why? You literally have the blood of the living Christ in your body. Like, and they- I'm not really sure. I, 
I don't want to say that it wasn't intentional. I think it was intentional because everything she did in this book was intentional. And it might come up later of why he made that turn. Because to be quite honest, he experienced something that even Mahmoud and Khaldun had never experienced. He experienced slavery and um, the civil rights era. Like all that that stuff was... no bearing on God. Not that Christian God is the one you believe in, but like... To not I, believe that's not really Jesus what I mean. I mean, yeah. like when you have seen that those those things, and that's when you start to question why is God doing this? Yeah, but that's I where feel like back that to faith. is probably where you would question your faith in why God does this. I'm not saying he has to have faith, but to act like it's silly to believe or to not believe when you actually know is stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying he should have faith or even be a Christian because that, you know, why? I get it. That's not where you come from. But to be like, to be an atheist, to say that you don't believe in God when the blood of God is in your veins and you literally can heal people with your blood is silly. But that's I'm just curious to, about the book. I'm just curious to find out if if it comes up later in like other Maybe. books because it, it has be to be for a purpose. Yeah, because of how this book ends, it might be different because now that you have this Super Christian lady healing the world. So just to kind of switch over to Jessica a little bit. Um, Jessica, is, like I, I mentioned, is has become this investigative journalist and she takes her job really seriously. Mm-hmm. She has goals of like writing a book and Peter believes in her work, which I always appreciated about his character. Like he, he pushed her to, to achieve goals and he knew the amount of time that it would take. Um, Whereas David was very opposed to it because he just wanted her to spend all her time with him and Kira, which was their daughter. Um, And for the longest time, it drove me nuts. Like, I was like, I would want Johnny to be very, you know, supportive of me if I wanted to sit and write and, like, him take care of other things. Like, there's going to be times where I can't always be with you to do do, do things. Like, I just want to sit and do things that I know is going to improve myself and that I want, you know, things I want to do. And to be successful. So like I would I got aggravated with David from the get go for that reason. Um, but which you find I mean, obviously you know like from the beginning, like who he actually is. Like after he starts talking about like all the things that like he was interested in. And like I think the turning point for me when I started to really figure out that he was actually like but because I read the back of the book, but like if I without reading the back of the book, like you don't really truly realize who he is until like he goes on a date with her and you he talks about like how like distant he is with people and he keeps them at a you know arm's length and he's very like old school with everything he, he yeah. listens to old music he watches old movies um he's kind of stuck in a certain era basically yeah. so i don't know i didn't like him from the beginning and i think that's that was the start of me not liking him was that and then i progressively started to hate him <laughs> when he started killing people that were important to her and then was like i shouldn't have done that no you shouldn't have yeah like what are you doing i don't understand i kind of sort of like i have a little bit of sympathy for him as a character i don't like necessarily like him but when you really break down who he is and the purpose of the flashbacks so you get this person who is a dedicated warrior who essentially sells his soul and all his beliefs to this man who is like a living kind of profit even in in, in, his power grows over the time he gives up who he is right and then he comes to america to like you know get away because they kind of make it imply that he 
encourages them to go out into the world just to learn because knowledge is kind of their whole purpose, right? To yeah. learn, grow, get these, you know, whatever, bring it back to the brotherhood. But then he falls in love during American slavery with Adele, but then also loses her. So I feel like that was the jumping period point, you know, for who he is with Jessica, right? So, because in the book, you know, the, there's three periods adjusted or talked about, four periods rather. So you have like, essentially it's like Ethiopian city. It's like Lalabella back in the day, like crusades time. And they talk about him being a crusader and all this jazz. And then it cuts to the American South during slavery, right? And it's how we meet Adele. They get lynched because he's running away because, you know, he's an affluent man who shouldn't have been a slave anyway, but it's American South and it was a horrible time. But then it cuts to like the twenties or was it the forties? One, one of the two. It was, the, it was the 20s, I the believe. 20s when he was a jazz musician and he gets married again. But I think my thought on it is this. He truly loved Adele, Adele and lost her. And he did not get over that. Unlike us, like people who, you know, people grieve themselves to death when they really love someone. This is a man who he kind of alludes that he wanted to grieve himself to death and was unable to, you know, he can't. So, so how do you mourn? Some people don't ever get over their loved, lost loved one. And this person can't even get away from it with the escape of death. He has it forever. So I think he was playing a role in trying to get over it when he married Rosaline's mom and had those kids, but he was not. So he was more, I can't connect with you. But then cut to Jessica, because you, you, in some of those flashbacks, he's very cold to the children. He's very, like, distant from the yeah, wife. He just cared about music, which is very much in kin with the Brotherhood's ideals, because he had been back with them after the loss of Adele, right? And Jessica is more like his feelings for Adele. Like, he's had time, actual time. Just think about it. Like, if you lost your spouse now, we're only going to live, even if they died in our 40s, we may live, what, 20, 30 more years before we also die? Right. Unless it's a mourning situation. So you, that ends for us. It never ended for him. So he took essentially like a long time, almost. A, well, he almost does say at years. the end of the book that he didn't even realize that he loved Adele until after she died. Like her, he did not feel anything. He didn't realize how, how he felt for her until after her death and watching her yeah. die. Yeah. I and mean, that was probably so like really life changing. Yeah, it was. But at the same time, like he was truly in love with Jessica. Yeah. And and I and I get that part, but at the same time, he he never really truly realized how to separate the fact that she was mortal from him being immortal. And to me, that that's where it broke down. Like cuz I don't you should understand that she is living a life to the fullest because her life is shorter than yours and you are neglecting her in a way that like to let her be herself and that i didn't like see i feel I, sorry go ahead i just i don't I, I know you don't agree with me but i feel wholeheartedly that he was a very abusive person I because of disagree, but he he was very possessive of her time he was not supportive whatsoever and he was super selfish like mm-hmm. through the whole book um i feel like the only one he truly treated right was kira until the end, but yeah. well, um, he was a trying to treat her right. He didn't mean to do that. Um, no, I think he didn't, the reason why it backfired. I I don't agree wholeheartedly is because of I think it's kind of the opposite. It, I think that he knows that she's mortal, and he had to experience loss on a level that he was not prepared for with 
Adele, and he does not want to do that again. Because his time with Adele was very short. And like you said, he didn't realize how strongly he felt about her until she was gone. So I think with Jessica, he realized it early and wanted to hold on to that so hard. You know I mean? If you put yourself in a place where, like, if you lose your first love like someone that you love like no other and then you're like you know you spend nearly a hundred years at this point alone not thinking you're ever going to have that again and then you find that again you're not going to want to let it go at all so i think while he was definitely possessive and definitely abusive in that way i don't think it was from a place of not caring about her mortality i think it was a place of fearing her mortality i didn't say he was scared of her mortality i just i'm just he didn't learn he he never learned his lesson about what type of like he is immortal your life is never ending yeah but the people that you choose to surround yourself with are mortal you cannot expect them to understand your situation and you can't expect to understand theirs so i don't that's the breakdown for me with david i that's why i don't like his character because i'm like he he has all this knowledge but he neglects to to see that like he talks about how uh, you know they don't they just want to sit and around and they they don't want to go get up and do things and blah blah, blah. but i'm like but that's all they know because it that's uh, their their mortality says that you know mm. but you see it differently because you have seen so much whereas they have not so i don't know that was the breakdown for me i that's why i'm not totally i can't empathize with him as much because i feel like he should be knowledgeable enough to know that he should have allowed her that. And he, at, at one point, he does end up mentioning, he's like, I should have just let her do it. And I, Peter was like, so getting to that, he was very he was very jealous of Peter because oh, yeah. he thought Peter was going to figure out that he murdered his daughter or that he was involved in that murder. But he was also, it, I think it was more so he was just jealous because he, he thought Peter was going to take Jessica from him. But essentially, Peter was gay. Peter does yeah. not care about her that way. He cared about her as a friend and a colleague. And so David made a very rash decision and like murders him horribly. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, so he hides like his back seat and freaking slits his throat with a linoleum knife or whatever yeah. they called it. Yeah, which so sounds haggard curve blades. Yeah horrible and it's devastating to her because that's her it's, it's literally her best friend yeah. um her only friend really and how she talks yeah because she's she's very family oriented she loves being with her mom and her sister which i very much you know relate to because i love being around my mom and my sister um so i i was really heartbroken for her at that time like she wrote that 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 whole section so well um because i really felt just icky with her like i just it was just depressing um so after that it's kind of like where david starts to unravel like this was like the icing on the cake like he shouldn't have done that if he hadn't done that i think things would have been a little easier for him but instead it just spiraled out of control so like he starts like you know experimenting in his shed with like lizards and stuff and he um to see because he he doesn't want to like his his family go he's like no. they're gonna be immortal they're gonna be immortal with me yeah he's scared to death of losing them yeah which that part i do understand but i also i'm like you should give people a choice whether or not they want to live forever yeah. Yeah, i think it all boils um, down to he's just selfish like but i think yes cal Duke he's very selfish brought them up or fostered that selfishness in them their whole brotherhood is selfish yeah it goes back to why i don't it like is. this book like you have a whole group of people in 
what is really considered one of the most like impoverished sickly like areas of the world and they set and hoard knowledge and keep all of it from the world like you get later on when he's doing all this testing and she gives her the blood to her sister and you find that it can like cure all these diseases right and at two different times in the book he she alludes to they can lose almost all their blood and be fine it was like when David tells her that he is immortal or when Khaldun shows Dawit and Mahmood and the other group, he essentially guts himself and bleeds out. Mm-hmm. But it all replenishes and he's fine. So you could be healing the world. But I think the whole sect as a whole is so selfish to want to keep this to themselves and hoard knowledge and do this that they don't want to share. And I think that's his eventual downfall. It's just he was brought up to be, not brought up, but kind of like trained by Khaldun to be extremely selfish and only only think of the brotherhood not think of anyone outside which seems to be counter to his personality a little bit and I think that's why he gets so entangled with what they considered like mortal affairs is that he is not probably inherently selfish he has become that way yeah I don't I just all of them drive me nuts yeah it's terrible but there's a couple of scenes that I found were very um I think it was very impactful for the novel in general. So like, I just want to talk about those um, before we start like running out of time. But like uh, David decides he's going to explain everything to Kira. So he plans this weekend getaway without Kira and takes Jessica to this like private island in the Everglades. And she's thinking it's going to be this nice, relaxing getaway with her husband and all this. And they get there and he his whole intention is to freaking kill himself with her present so that she he could see so she could see the miracle like he did with Khaldun and that was the worst (laughs) the worst scene ever I I was so distraught while reading it I was like I I would be a basket case if I walked into a bathroom and saw Johnny with like all of his insides spilling out because and that's how she felt and she was like like she got to the point where she even got sick like physically sick and was sick for a few days after they got back with like a fever and stuff because he had stressed her out so bad and she just spent her entire weekend sobbing because she thought her husband was dead he was like no he goes i told you it would be fine in the morning didn't i tell you it would be fine in the morning like what part of that but he didn't explain everything before he did it and it's such a drastic way to kill yourself too (laughs) i know and i was like what are you doing it was so terrible and but it was so well written that I that I just felt so sad for her. I was like, and I made notes in the book. I was like, I don't know. I would be a ba- I would be a complete basket case, just like she was. Like I, I don't, I couldn't imagine any of that. Um, so that was one. So they, she has one. Actually, she's got two chapters throughout the whole book that are in Kira's point of view, which I loved. Those two chapters, I thought those were the most well written chapters in the entire book. And I, the only reason why is because she played on that childish innocence so well. Mm-hmm. And I loved Kira, which is why I cried so hard. So the first scene, the first chapter that Kira pops up, she implies that she can see ghosts. And they have this cave that's like outside their house in the backyard that where even Jessica at times has mentioned that she felt her dad was there which is Kira's grandpa and like Kira actually sees the grandpa and she's, you know, she's said things to Kira or to Jessica that Kira shouldn't know about her dad. And it's because she can see him and talk to him. 
But he tells her this little story about a dragon and this little boy named Lynn. And he's like, you know, one day, you know, his 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 parents are wizards, but those wizards can't go up in the sky and and be in the sky. But when when it comes time for Lynn, there's gonna be a, a be a dragon, and that dragon he's gonna become friends with that dragon, and that dragon's gonna fly him off into the sky where the wizards can't go. But that's okay because Lynn will always love his parents, and you know, and the dragon and him will always be really good friends. And I was like, that is a really sad story, Grandpa. But okay, mm-hmm. so I'll get back to the other Kira one in a minute. But like. Mahmood starts like freaking uh following him around and like tap like like putting yeah. the cameras and like bugs in their house and stuff. I know, right? Um, so Jessica starts finally figuring out who David is specifically and who all he's cur- killed, and she's nervous and she's like, "I'm gonna take my child and run." And so she does that, and Mahmood's like following her this whole time, right? And my, which I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time I was reading this, this whole section. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, she's going to die. And so is Kira and it's going to be a big old mess. And then David's going to be distraught. And it's it's going to be a hot mess. So um, David finally gets to them in time before Mahmood like shoots both of them. And he takes them to this remote motel somewhere. And he's like, I'm going to perform this ritual in his brain. He doesn't tell them that. And because I, I neglected to say that he he performed it on tea cake, the cat, and he survived it. So he's like, I, if, hey, if I can save tea cake and give him Im- immortality, I can do the same for my wife and my child. But the sad part is Jessica makes it. Kira does not. And that is where I put the book down and I text you and I said, I can't read nothing else tonight because I started crying. So I was like, I'm done. I don't want to read anything else. It like ruined my night. Like that's that's how I felt. I was like, be. why did she's I? She's a sweet girl. Like the way they always describe she's... her, she's just a sweet child. Yes, she, and she was so smart so and cre. Yes, he called her Duchess, and I was like, you know what? You have done it again. I know he did not mean this. I what I and I know how heartedly he's gonna always have to live with the fact that he crushed her windpipe and mm. killed her. But the law enforcement, you know, came in and like ruined his plans. Um, and so that brings me to the, the, the next chapter that's in Kira's point of view. So like her grandpa and the first chapter was like with her was telling her, he was like, you're going to leave unexpectedly and in a hurry, but you'll be back. And I'm thinking, okay, I guess her and Jessica do make their way back to the house or whatever. I wasn't expecting her to just make it back and her be at the cave with her grandpa because she's dead. Yeah. I was like, that is wretched. And I think the part that really got me was when her grandpa was like, you remember the story of Lynn? That's actually about you. And she was like, it, and he was talking about the, the wizards can, will never be able to come up into the clouds with you. So, cause your mom and dad are immortal and they're not ever going to be able to be there with you. And I'm like, well, where's the dragon? And she go, looks over and she thinks she sees a dragon, but it's princess. Is the dog from the very beginning. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, the, the <laughs> dragon is the dog. And I was like, uh. and so she gets on its back and like it shows her just kind of going off, like I guess to heaven at the end. And I was like, I just cried. I cried like a baby. I was like, I looked at Johnny and said, this is terrible. And he was like, are you crying? Yes, I'm crying. <laughs> this is terrible. I was so attached to her. She was my favorite character. That's a good ending for her, though, if you think about it. Like, she didn't have to endure the nonsense of her mom and dad forever. 
For real. I mean, it's terrible Golly. that she died. But like, yes. she get to go to heaven and she has that rap because she was real sad about Princess. Like, she was real distraught at the beginning. And her dad paints that mural on her wall of the dog flying yeah. in heaven because she'd made that painting. It, it's cool that it, she wrapped it up like that because she harkens back to the very beginning because she painted that kind of child's painting of Princess flying like a big yeah, dragon. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, she did. So that was kind of a cool, like, um, not a cool, but kind of a cool wrap up. And the wizards thing, like, I was confused by that. But then I, it, the more I think about it, I think it's just how to explain her mom and dad's situation to a child. Yeah. Like, they're wizards. They, you know, they're magic. You know, because kids understand magic inherently, I think, um, to an extent. You know, you say things are magic. That's always, oh, wow. You know, and kids think everything is magic and yeah. wonderful and amazing. Um, So that's, you know, it's terrible and sad. It's, you know, but again, it almost makes you feel sorry for Dawit. Like, it's his fault, but like. Because I think he loves Jessica, but like you said, the way he is with Kira, it, it, it almost, the way it's written, and as a father, I think it he he has that like... No, he treats that, her the best. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, that's like a, that he, unconditional love for her. He, yes, he will never very get over the loss of Kira, like ever. No. That's why at the end, he retreats back to the compound hidden in you know Africa, because he's essentially done the thing that he was fighting so hard that he basically sacrificed his whole belief system for to give this mm -hmm. to his wife and daughter. But I think like why he loves and wants to possess Jessica, he like adores Kira and just wants to be with his kid all the time. Even when they were like, yeah, the flashbacks where he was mean to Rosaline, he's all like, oh yeah, Duchess, this is my clarinet. Da, da, da. You know, and he's just like, he's trying to impart knowledge to her versus just get away from me, <laughs> you know, which I think is well, cool. And, and sad. what's important at the end with David is he was willing to let Jessica go. And he told her, he's like, they're going to come after you because you have all this knowledge. He said, but I'm taking Kira with me. She will be with me forever. Like, yeah. he didn't even care at that point. He was like, I love you, but she's coming with me regardless of if you, if you want me to take her or not. So, like, Ed, to me, that showed that he he only, he cared for her more than he did anyone else. Like, he, he loves Jessica and cares about her, but he... There's a different love there with Kira. Well, it's different with everybody. I think with everybody's kids, man. Like, yeah, it's what I try to explain to my children. And, you know, when I got remarried, like my love for my wife is equal, but not the same. You know what I well, mean? Because no. like, in all relationships, yeah. like a person can leave, you grow apart, um, things happen. You know, I'm never I can't think of a single thing ever that would make me not love my children. Like once you form that bond with your children, I don't have a single thing. I mean, it's unconditional, yeah. you know, so I get that from a, you know, from a father standpoint, I understand that for sure. And um, I almost, almost makes you want to read the other books just to see how she deals with Dawit's character with the loss of Kira later on. Cause I kind of read, I kind of read a synopsis for the next book. So like, I know what happens, not what happens, but I know kind of like some of the story. Um, but I'm not sure if that would replace Kira to him or what. So I'd be interested to find out. Yeah. So at the end of the story, um, Khaldun kind of lets them go because he has this like dream that like Kira, not Kira, um, Jessica um, and the infant are going to change things. And Mamu was so confused. He was like, there's no infant that she's a she's a little kid and blah 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 and then you find out like she's pregnant and at the this the very end of the story which it was funny because when you were so mad about them not like sharing the blood to like help save people alex and jessica once jessica's turned she's like well i know you're not gonna help but i'm gonna help and so it took the women in the story to start making changes which i which i i love that because 
I, I feel like that spoke to me a lot. Like I've, I've, I mean, as being as a, you know, a female or whatever. So, um, and I liked that ending. I thought that was very fitting for who Jessica was as a character because she genuinely cares about other people. Um, and, and I know Alex does. I mean, Alex was art. What is that called? I can't I always forget. What was her good job? She's a, um, is it a hematologist? Yes. Is that what it's uh, called? Uh, so she already studies blood and like tries to figure out like cures for things. And, uh, they go to Africa and they set up this clinic and they start, you know, curing diseases for these little kids. And that was their goal. And I, I loved that. I loved that part of the ending. Um, And then, you know, David does show up at the end, but I like how he tried to impart some wisdom to her so that she doesn't get hurt in the long run. She's going to get hurt. There's there's no way around it. Um, But I think it was a little too early for him to impart that wisdom on her. Because she's she's still very angry with him. Oh, I can't so, imagine. Like, yeah, I mean, she lost a child because of him and his yeah. nonsense. Mm-hmm. And like, part of her's conflicted. She's like, I still love, I still love him, and I and I know what he was doing was to save her, but it's still his fault because essentially the it, they couldn't complete that ritual. So yeah, um, yeah, it was a mistake. Yeah, yes, it was very much a mistake, and it didn't dawn on me until the you know. I started rethinking about like the conversation Kira had with her grandpa. And I'm like, please don't kill the girl. I'll be so upset. (laughs) And I was so distraught. So anyway, do you have anything else you want to add? No, just like I said, I I thought it was well-written. I thought um, the characters are good because I don't think you're supposed to necessarily like Dawit. So I think that's a good character. I was very interested. I'd like to know. Part of me, it's, I wish there was like a Wikipedia page because I don't want to read the other books, but I want to know more about the Brotherhood. Um, again, I think the Living Blood is super interesting. I think that's kind of a cool way to be immortal. Yeah. And I like that, like you said, it took a woman at the end to do what they should have been doing the whole time. You know what I mean? Like from a Christian perspective to come to the earth and like heal and do all those miracles that like are attributed to Jesus. I'm like, now you're finally having someone who's like, uh, duh, we're going to do what Jesus did and just heal people with our blood, which was kind of the whole blood of Christ thing. You know, I think it's kind of cool and interesting, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. No, that's that's about all I got. Like I said, I was sad about Kira. I didn't get to fully finish the book. Like I said, I'm a slow uh, listener, I guess. But I kind of that's why I read about it and watched a review and listened to what you said. Um, and then I, that was really all I needed to know. That I was like, okay, it wraps up. I kind of figured out where it was going to go. I assumed one of the the women were going to die. Like you, you, you get halfway through, you know that he's going to eventually, especially after he kills Peter, that he's going to try to to change one of them. Yeah. Um, and I knew one of them probably wouldn't make it. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. He made some weird choices, you know, like you know, killing the uncle who was already dying and all these things. He just makes a lot mm-hmm. of bad choices. He's a character who's very conflicted, very very wise and very stupid all at the same time. Yes, you know absolutely. I mean? Um, so yeah, no, I think it was a great story. It was written well. Um, can't always relate to all of it, but I think overall that we all can relate to the base themes, I guess. And it was oh interesting yeah, take, like everyone's so. lost something or someone that's been really important to them so mm-hmm. i i felt the loss f- for sure 100 um and I, I did feel the the love between the two of them even if it wasn't always because love's not perfect we know this <laughs> but like you know there was times in the novel as i read i'm like you know there's been times i felt like this about johnny because you know you just look at somebody and you're like i'm so thankful that you're here you know it's, yeah. it was kind of like that like she was thankful for him like throughout most of the book um but he oh, yeah. fell off his pedestal is really essentially what happened. Quickly. Um, 
Yes, very quickly. Um, but anyways, so we can move on to the rubric. All right, let's get it. All right, so character development. Clearly describes characters in detail, develops characters over the course of the text. Characters are well-balanced and show growth or lack thereof to suit the needs of the piece. See, I'm thinking, and this is hard because it is a four-part book series, so I don't think all the characters are fully developed in this one book. I was thinking more in the 19 to 15 range on this because there are some that are developed, others that are introduced and some that don't get time to fully develop, I think. Yeah. So I'd go with like maybe like an 18 maybe or 17. Let's do 18. Okay. That's work. That works. All right. So plot development. Themes are well developed and clear to the reader. Pacing of the story is timed well and doesn't feel rushed. I think she did a great job with this. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. There I was a lot of there was a lot of setup and it needed the setup for us to really fully understand the plot development. There was a lot of thought that went into it, I think. And um even mm-hmm. like I said, it's the the jumping around at the beginning is is off put not off putting, but kind of throws you out of the story. But once you realize what they're doing, I think it you're good. Um yeah, I would go like a twenty two on this one. So I think there are some some issues of the pacing that you're like, What but it definitely doesn't feel rushed. Um the no, timing's good, and I think the overall themes are, are fairly developed because it's it's really about love, loss, coping. It's about all those things together, and I think that's you know fairly well. So yeah, I think like a twenty-two. All right, so now we have imagery, which is just descriptive scenes, setting, and actions. So like, I there was times where I felt like I was like when they went to that island, I was like, man, yeah, talking about how sticky she was and like the mosquitoes, and like I was like, man, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that feels like. <laughs> so I there was just I thought the imagery was done really well. Okay. What do you think? Throughout the whole thing. So I would give her imagery a twenty five. You think a full twenty five? Okay. Yeah, I do. Like even from the very beginning with her with the Chicago, like how it was really rainy and like dark yeah. and him walking down the thing. It was really good. Should like a good I just job of atmosphere, I think, for sure. Yes, it was all, yeah, like, I I never felt like I was, I didn't know where I was. Like, I felt like I knew, I, like, I felt like I could walk through the streets of wherever he was, wherever Jessica was. So. Yeah, I could feel that. I don't think she, she didn't do, like, a Stephen King thing and go over either. So, I think she did a good job. Yeah. You didn't feel like you could read house numbers or something because she was just too descriptive. <laughs> yeah, because when they get to that extent, I, I check out. Um, that's why a lot of times I, I read young adult fiction because the imagery is there, but it's not, you don't have to give me everything. I can fill in the blanks. Um, styles and convention, writing and language is smooth, skillful, and coherent. Sentences are strong and expressive with varied structure and no conventional errors present. I mean, she did a really good job, so I don't know. What do you think? Uh, this one, I mean, I'm going to leave to you. You're the English teacher. I definitely agree. I, I didn't notice. There was no errors. But again, for me, I was listening to it. So like anything that might have been of a written error would usually be corrected. Um, So it's hard to catch those. I do think the writing language was smooth. Um, Even things that were taking place in different eras was still very well done. It was very coherent. Um, a lot of a lot, lot, lot of very good structure. So yeah, I mean, this one would definitely be in the 20 to 25 range for me. But what do you think as an English teacher? You actually saw the words on paper, so. I would give it a 25. She did a really good job. Like, there wasn't, like, down to the dialogue and the sentence structures were all really, you know, they were different. And then she was really good about, like, when you switched over from points of view and you could, you know, be in the 
you know, in the mind of Kira, or he could be in the mind of, of David or whoever, or Mahmoud, because Mahmoud had chapters too. Um, it switched over so well. Like I, she wouldn't even had to tell me who it was. Like I, I knew who it was. Yeah. So I think that that speaks to her writing ability. So mm-hmm. being very skillful. So I'm going to give her a 25 on that one. I agree. Sounds good. That leaves us I with a 90. Yeah. 90%. For my soul to keep. But to not arrive, do. Tanana Reeve, Tanana too. Reeve, yeah, I know. I know, it's hard. It's I hard not to want to say that. I knew I said it wrong. Yeah, I it's like, okay. Because I, I called her that the first time we talked about it, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm saying mm-hmm. it wrong. And I was. <laughs> so. I know, I got the Tanana part, and I was like, oh, I just said Rive. My bad. It's Tanana okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great book. Good story. I definitely highly suggest if you read this and like it, um, continue on. I'm, I, from what I read, the stories just get more interesting. It kind of gets a little bit more supernatural um, feeling after this one. I think this one's more of the, a good foundation, the groundwork. Yeah. So definitely check it out. I really want to read them, but I I need a break from the story because I was so upset yeah. <laughs> with the first one. So, oh, goodness. Anyways. It's good. Yeah, definitely suggest. Highly, re- highly recommended. Obviously, we gave it an A. Um, if it was student writing, it'd be solid. There are a few little things um, in the character development that I've, I think will be panned out probably in later stories. Um, that's why it's kind of hard to really judge the starting book of a of a series because you're going to get more from different characters later on. Um, but yeah. just as it's a standalone book, then yeah, definitely. I think that you'll notice some of that. You'll get it later. The main characters are developed fine. The main story is brought out fine. There's a couple little slow parts, but they're little and slow on purpose. Stuff that didn't need to be there, I don't think. It was just there to add to the drama, but it was still fine. Mm-hmm. Um, things I didn't necessarily 100% agree with. I thought they were kind of silly. Like again, his being atheist and stuff and I hated the brotherhood for being selfish assholes. But other than that, you were supposed to, I think. I think that was intended, you know, based on her experiences that the men were kind of crappy. And it took a woman to set it right, which is typically what happens in the world. So, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Here we go, guys. Check it out. And that will wrap up our Black History Month, which I thought was pretty solid. Great story. Yeah, I thought so too. If you're into it, again, read more. And then, yeah, we should be announcing what our next month is fairly soon. Yes, we will. Yeah, so I'm excited tuned. about the next month. Me too. It's going to be good. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, man. You want to tell them where they well, can find us? Yep, I sure will. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Horror in the Halls. You can also follow Jenny underscore Dreadfuls on Instagram. You can email us at horrorinthehalls at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, guys, reach out. Leave a like, review. We can pretty much find us on all podcasting platforms at this time um we'd love to hear what you guys think of the show so reach out let us know and yeah so that's going to be the bell guys we're going to see you next time bye